Welcome back to the jointhetrades.com interview series, where we talk to tradespeople and learn more about successful career paths straight from the source. Today, we have something different. We've got Andrew Brown with us. Andrew Brown is going to enlighten us to his experiences with tradespeople over the last 23 years. Andrew, tell us about your genesis. Hey, crew. Thanks for having me, Nicole. Great to see you. Likewise, likewise. To give uh, your audience a little bit of context about my background, um, I take you back when I was 23 years old. And it was September 11, 2001. I was living in New York City at the time. And the planes had just hit the buildings. And I got this crazy idea to call my friend in Rhode Island to have him come in. And we were going to go down there and help. So after some convincing back and forth, I was able to get him to come down only a couple of days after the incident had happened. And he picks me up with his big blue truck with an American flag on the back, and he's dressed up as a tradesperson. He's got a hard hat. He's got overalls for me. And I find myself with him now racing down the West Side Highway from checkpoint to checkpoint. As we're going along, we stop at lights, people throwing water, people throwing toothbrushes because they think we're tradespeople. We go from checkpoint to checkpoint. I can't even tell you how we even got through the checkpoints, but we got through the checkpoints. We parked the car, and now I'm standing with him on the World Trade Center only a couple of days after. And the entire day, I was helping first responders, police, firefighters, EMS, and tradespeople find survivors the entire day. And I was watching the tradespeople on site, and they were doing any means necessary to find people. They were going into unstable structures. I saw people with not, no PPE on. It was just, you talk about life-changing events, not even from a personal standpoint, but from a professional standpoint. I was an IT guy. I was not a tool guy. And after that incident, a couple weeks after, I put my two weeks notice in with an IT firm that I was working with. And I spent weeks, months, sleepless nights, trying to figure out how do I get back to the tradespeople that I saw during 9-11. And that's when I co-founded an online tool and equipment business with my brother called Toolfetch. About 23 years ago, we're still going strong. We still love the business today. We sell tools to the skilled trades. So professionals such as welders and carpenters and plumbers and other blue-collar skilled trades. So these are the men and women who are building and repairing our infrastructure, our bridges, our tunnels, our roads. And we uh, offer one of the largest online tool and equipment catalogs with a million different products from 650 different vendors. So products like lifts, cement mixers, drain cleaners, stuff like that. That is my way to give back to the skilled trades. And I've been doing this for a 23, almost 23 year period, talking about the skilled trades and the advantages of being in the skilled trades and what you can be and climb the ladder of success. I've always tried to be a beacon or a voice for the blue collar skilled trades. And I do that through content and LinkedIn and other platforms. Mm -hmm. And that's really how I, how I started. So I got thrust into the, uh, into that world. And that's actually where I learned about you as well as on LinkedIn, uh, because you have a very, um, uh, kind of prevalent voice, uh, related to, recruiting into the skilled trades and educating people on the value that they bring um, where, you know, and you see that passion come through in these videos that you make to say, Hey, like, do you guys know? So what are some of the things that you have seen some trends that you have seen when it comes to recruiting into the skilled trades? Well, it's interesting. I see a lot of things just talking to plumbers and welders 
carpenters, everybody in the skilled trades around the country. And I've been listening to all this stuff, and I've just had a buildup of over 20 years of just listening to the, the, the wage issues and, and listening to mm-hmm. recognition and listening to this 40% that are going to be retiring over the next five or 10 years. And I just, I got this like thing inside of me that I just, I need to put it out. Like one day I was just like, I'm putting this, these messages out and I don't care. I just, I want to put them out there because I feel mm-hmm. that this particular uh, uh, field or, or skill trades is to some degree, it's, I don't, I don't want to wait four weeks for a plumber or an electrician to show up. Mm-hmm. I don't want that to happen. I don't want the men and women who are responsible for fixing pretty much everything we take for granted in our house when we go over a bridge, a tunnel, or a road to mm-hmm. keep that messaging going to get the younger generation involved. And so I keep pounding that message every day. And I show up with a video every day uh, on LinkedIn and other platforms mm-hmm. to keep reminding people that, hey, you know, when you're, when you're thinking about either college or a trades path, trades path is another opportunity for the people that don't want to go to college. So I keep reminding people and showing up because I feel if I don't show up, I feel like I'm not going to make a big enough impact. So that's why I keep doing what I'm doing and I keep showing up. So that's why you keep seeing me on LinkedIn and when I'm in your feed all the time. I'm, so you sorry. ended up making a, you ended up making a complete 180 in your career at the, you okay. know, you go there, you're here at 9-11, and uh, that's, an, that's an incredible background story, by the way. Um, certainly, you hear John Stewart nonstop pounding the table on what that experience was like, how you know so many people were affected by it and continue to be affected by it to this day. And you obviously took some, some real passion to heart there from that experience. At that point, you were in IT. You did a complete 180 and decided like, hey, I found my niche. I found my people, and these are the people that I want to that I want to be with. Um, are you still in contact with a lot of the people that you had that experience with during that time? Yes, I'm still friends with the individual that uh, I did go down there. So that's you know it's dear to my heart, and every time I see him, it brings back memories from when we went down there. I feel it's like divine intervention. It's like somebody took me and said, "You're going to go here." This is your path, right? You know, you, you hear these stories and you're like, that doesn't happen. Well, it happened to me. I'm, I'm, I'm standing right here and telling you that, that that happened. So I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and putting out those videos and messaging. So that's, that's my fuel. That's my fuel. So being, I apologize for interrupting. Uh, so being in IT, you had gotten your college degree. Is that is that correct? I did. And I can tell you that I was more lost when I came out of school when when I was in school. So I am on the other side. So I preach both sides. So depending upon you got to decide what's the right path for you. You know, I'm I'm not, I like people to have options because I, I really didn't have an option when I was younger because in my household, it was just spoken about go to college. It wasn't really spoken about the trades, right? So that's what the messaging that, that keeps happening is what's spoken about in the household. If I had that information, if I had the right information, I sat down with a guidance counselor or a teacher or saying, hey, look, look, yeah, you're you're decent with your hands. Like you might want to consider going down a path or a trades path. It's just not happening. So maybe I would have found the trades in an earlier standpoint, you know, and gone that direction. I just I didn't. So 
I, I was a programmer. I was doing C++ and doing uh, calculus. I was a business major. I was, uh, I minored in finance. I went into IT and then had this life-changing event and went into the tool business. Like, you talk about going zigzagging around, mm -hmm. and I feel that a lot of people, when they come out of college, it's, you know, a lot of people don't stay in the career that they studied for, and they put all this money into it, and they change careers, and I feel like the skilled trades is, you know, a great path for somebody who can get right into, you know, an apprenticeship or start learning and making money, um, and it's lifelong skills that uh, never leave you, and you're always in demand. Hmm. Yeah. Great that. Yeah. Um, so what is that? What trades do you find? That, are there certain industries that you work with the most? Uh, plumbing, um, plumbing, plumbing, electrical, a uh, little bit. Uh, we do obviously welding trade as well. We kind yeah. of spans. We have over a million different products in, in our lineup. So it spans a lot of different yeah. uh, industries. So uh, not one per se, but we do a lot of infrastructure work. So. You know, people who okay. are building and repairing, you know, our infrastructure. That's kind of where okay. our sweet spot is. Yeah. Okay. Have you found any any of these industries that aren't um, that aren't necessarily dying to recruit more people in? Is there anybody who's not hurting? Everybody's hurting. <laughs> Everybody's so hurting. there's not. Because I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely curious just because I I work in commercial HVAC. At this point, we've interviewed. Uh, gosh, probably 10 to 12 other trades, um, a few in the same trade. And so in of those, obviously those people that we've interviewed are, they're like, yeah, we can't find enough people. We can't find enough people. I thought, I wonder if there is a trade out there that is just like, you know what? We're good actually, but we're worried that it's going to hit us next, you know? So that was my question. That other thing I was going to say is like, I, I'm like you, I have the same background. I went to college. Uh, I majored in uh, international business. I came out of it making $37,000 a year uh, with no opportunity for promotion. Like it was, it's, and I'm just like you also, I'm not anti-college. I'm not, but I am pro-information to make the right decision. So two different threads there for you to work on, <laughs> to work with. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, to answer your question, um, like I, I work with the American Welding Society, right? Okay. And you could look at the stats of how many people are retiring, how many people are coming in. And it's just, to me, it's mind boggling. I, I just, I watched that site that they have where it shows all the statistics and I'm like, what can we do to get more people involved in the skilled trades? I, I think where it's HVAC, welding, plumbing, each one has its own challenges of finding an individual or the younger generation to get involved because a lot of them feel that it's like, well, it's going to take me a long time. Why I'm not going to make a lot of money up front, and I certainly don't want to work with my hands. You know, it's all that old adage of you keep hearing that gets instilled in, in the younger kids, you know, whether it's parents or whether it's a guidance counselor, whether it's a teacher. And I always say teachers and guidance counselors are the best marketers for college, free referrals. Just keep referring people to college. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I just, again, going back to kids having the right information about the trades mm -hmm. so they can make an informed decision because I think there is tremendous opportunity, especially in this window of time, to get into the trades and make a decent living. Obviously, you got to work your butt off and learn and climb the ladder of success, but sky's the limit.
I feel. Yeah, uh, over the years, college appears from an outsider standpoint to become more and more of a business racket on some level, unfortunately. Um, not that, you know, not like a, I'm not anti-college, I went to college. Uh, however, you can definitely stand back and say like, okay, so this is kind of like, let's funnel as many people in here. This is a big moneymaker for the country in general, yada, yada, yada. And it's, you know, kind of continues us down this way without realizing that these are real, um, these are real opportunities on the other side. Um, you know, you have a, a a perspective that may be useful. A lot of the time when I'm talking to people about this, uh, particularly young people, I hear about this AI revolution thing, of course, that's going on chat GPT and, and all this. Um, because you have an IT background, you might be able to enlighten us a little bit. Um, from the perspective that I seem to have gathered, it looks likely that this whole AI thing is not the one place it's really not going to affect on any level or the actual trades. It looks like it may affect the computer industry, certainly, you know, all kinds of different financial aspects. But the for job security, the trades are the place to be. Thoughts? AI is coming for your white collar job. It's not coming for your blue collar <laughs> job. And it's yeah, I'm just saying that because there's there's been some um, there's one that went viral on LinkedIn and other areas where it's a billboard and it says something like chat GDP build me or building or something and it said something about the skills cannot be replaced the skill traits cannot be replaced and I I had done a similar banner as well and it's totally true right like AI is not gonna fix my faucet or fix my sink I still need somebody to come in there and fix with their hands right but it's I think the, the automation side, there are certain things that, you know, can be replaced in, in robotics and stuff like that there. You know, guys tying rebar, right? I've seen robots go in and tie rebar because that's a, you're sitting there with your, you know, hunched over and you're tying rebar. Well, that's something that can be possibly automated, stuff like that. But the, the all the, the, the different things where you're fixing someone's boiler or AC, you know, robot is not coming anytime soon. This is not iRobot with Will Smith. And I don't know if you saw that movie, but like where the robots are going to, you know, fix everything and people are not going to have a job. It's not like that. I, I almost feel that skilled trades to some degree is recession proof. Even though people don't spend on big projects, they still need things fixed around their house. They still need... Mm -hmm plumbing issues, they still have drain issues, whatever it may be. People have to fix their roofs and boilers and such. So there's always work that needs to be done. And especially, I mean, this is everywhere, but where I live, people are always asking, who do I go to? Who, who's the guy? Or who's the girl? Like, who do I reach out to? They're, they're always in demand. As long as you get back to people and you're in the skilled trades, you give good customer service and get referred, you can make good money. And I always laugh and I always say, People ask, who has the big house in the corner? I said, that guy's in the plumbing business. And people are like, what? I don't get it. You know, it's like. 100%. 100%. The wealthiest people I've ever met in my entire life uh, are trades business owners. I just. Here's a, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, that's it. That's the whole, that's the whole statement. That's 100% yeah. true. Here's a prime example. I don't know if you're familiar with Roger Wakefield. I don't know if you know that name, but he's a very well-known plumber in Texas and started his own business in plumbing. And he's your prime example of what you can do above and beyond the trades. He's got a huge YouTube channel with over 600,000 hardcore subscribers in the trades, and he's making a difference and bringing people in. 
So yeah, he started off as a plumber, but he worked his way up, has his own business, and he's doing extremely, extremely well. So there's tons of opportunities, especially we want to take it. You know, the comment about the AI real quick, I saw another joke because I saw the billboard you're talking about it says, hey, chat GPT, finish this building. You know, it's like a half yes. constructed building. And yes. it says the skilled trades will never be replaced by AI. But I saw another yes. one recently where somebody made a comment that said, no, robots, robots can do a lot of trades jobs, too. Right. And then the reply to that comment was, who's going to provide maintenance and repair on the robots? So it's just like it never goes away. Like you you have to have people who are knowledgeable and skilled and and trades are you know, referred to often, at least ours, uh, HVAC, we refer to it as a STEM career. I mean, it is science and technology, right? Engineering and math. Yeah. Like it is absolutely in dealing with a lot of these these things as technology advances. So will the the skilled trades development and training like you you will train tradespeople on the new technology. I mean, some of the tools, like to your point, some of the tools that they're using today are very, very advanced, uh, but it it doesn't replace the need to have somebody on site, have eyes on something, have hands on something to make it happen. Um, yeah. Very different than the manufacturing environment where step A, B, and C always happen in the same order and at the same you know, uh, pace or at the same, you know, uh, pressure point or whatever it is, manufacturing, you can absolutely automate. And we watched that wave happen. And a lot of people lost jobs with trades careers. Like you have to have a human brain analyze every unique scenario and go, okay, here's what we're going to do on this one. Um, uh, it's kind of a cliche to say that in the trades, there are, with the exception of safety, there are no rules other than that like the single rule that applies is that there are no rules, something like that. Like you have to be able to like think through something creatively and be a problem solver. And a robot just can't do that. Not yet. Not, Not yet. yet. <laughs> you still, you still we'll... need, yes, you still need the hardworking individuals and the skilled trades yeah. with, you know, their hands to, to get in there. Um, I don't mm -hmm. see that happening anytime soon that a robot's going to show up and fix my car. Uh, <laughs> it's just, I just don't see that. I just don't see that happening. So okay. I just think it's ironic that they, that they said that, years ago that robots are coming for your, for the blue collar jobs, but yet AI is coming for your white collar job. I just thought that was really yeah. interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. yeah. It's the antithesis of that. It looks like, um, yep. you, you know, it's funny you bring up uh, how, how much they are in demand. Like I'm a homeowner, you know, I have, I have an older home in Texas and, uh, this week I had a, a plumbing, a plumbing problem. One of my pipes burst. My AC has gone off to the point where I have to reset it every couple of days. So I know darn well, I'm about to have to do that. I already got a call into that guy. And I was driving home from Tyler not too long ago and my drive shaft broke on my car, just on the highway. So within a week's time, I've needed three tradespeople just to get back to zero, just to get back to the level, level playing field. So it's undeniable that in your everyday life, uh, these these careers are completely in demand at all times across the board. And I agree with you. And, and the concern is, and I'll, I'll give you an example, is that my dryer and my uh, dish, uh, my dryer conked out, right? Couldn't, couldn't dry. And you, there's, there's one guy, who, like everyone knows him, you, you call that guy. He's the guy, he's 64, 65. He comes down, he listens to it. I know what it is. He knows that, just knows what needs to be fixed. And I got to speaking to him. He's, you know, 64, 65. He's basically at retirement age. He's like, I don't understand. He's like, I have no debt, make good money. I don't work that many hours, but no one wants to take my job. And I'm thinking to myself, like, 
when this guy, when he leaves, who's going to take over? Who's going to fix someone's dryer? It's, it's just, it's my mind. And he was like, he was thinking like, this is a great opportunity and no one wants to do it. And it's, that's the scary part is that who, who's going to re, be replaced, who's going to replace them. That's the concern. That's why the messaging is, is so important. Yeah, you touch on uh, on money, and that's always important to all of us, of course, and, and we can bring it back to that. Um, you have 23 years of experience working with people in the trades of all so many different trades. We, we've spoken about some real success stories across the board to get the word out there to younger people. Um, for instance, I've talked to some young people that are like, I'm not going to work on a roof for $30,000 a year. And I'm like, okay, 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 this is an issue. Like we're talking, you know, six figures in not too, in not too short of a time if you just, you know, get your ducks in a row. Um, across your experience, have you seen anyone wanting for, for a, good, a good salary or is everyone just exceeding expectations? Are, are, are you saying that kids are seeing it as not an opportunity because it's low wage? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Well, yes. I'll, I'll, I'll show you something, and I'm going to go off camera for two seconds and come right back. Okay? Just give me one second. All right. So I keep this up. I don't know if you can, you can see it here. I don't know if it's backwards yeah. in the camera. but And I always say, you don't have to go to college to make a good living. So I, I just add a plumber, a welder, a carpenter, and what you can make per hour. Obviously, depending upon where you are, where you're located in the U.S., it's going to be dependent upon that. But the ability to make good money, it's just like anything else, right? You got to put the time, energy, and money into it and work your way up. You're not going to just walk in and start making bank all of a sudden. You need to put the time and effort. You need to work with somebody who's been in the trade, someone who can be a mentor, that can, you know, maybe that person has 25, 30 years who can level you up. And I look at that and I say, if, if I was going through the trades, I would love to have a mentor because that person will cut the time in half for me. Maybe they can show me the way they could, you know, all those pitfalls that you, that I would have stepped into, that person is guiding me. So all those little things help. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think there's an argument on both sides. I think initially people look at it and say, well, I'm just going to make $15 an hour. Why would I do that? I, you know, go work, you know, at fast food or something like a joint or something like that. It's, I think it's the long-term view and the, and the outlook because yes, you have to earn your stripes and you have to work hard. It's, and, and it goes back, you know, I talk to people uh, who are interested in the trades and they all think that it's like, some guy uh, with a wheelbarrow, a dusty old wheelbarrow on a construction site. You know, it's like that, that, I'm like, no, that's, no, no, that's what you think it is. And I go back to the thing, I always say, you know that bridge over there? That was built by tradespeople. You know that building over there? That was built by tradespeople. And start going through all the things that were built by trades, hardworking tradespeople that you can be feeling that, that feeling of accomplishment that you've done something, you built uh, a school for education. Kids are getting an education, right? Mm -hmm. um, you built a road, you built a, a tunnel, people can get to work or a building, that type of stuff. So sharing with kids what, yeah. you're not just building something to build something, but you're building something for much, the much greater good. And I think this, that gets lost in translation somewhere. 
I've actually heard trades people say that. I love driving past a building and saying and thinking I made that building. It's been there for you know 30 years or whatever. You know, part of the messaging about hey, long term, you got to think long term. You got to think it's really not all that long term that you go from $15 an hour to making 80, 90, 100 thousand dollars. We're talking a period of depending on your depending on which industry you choose, depending on how uh, much you're able to learn, et cetera, et cetera. But you're looking at five, six years before going from, you spend five or six years at a fast food restaurant, you start at $15 an hour and six years later, you're making 15, 45 an hour, right? Like it doesn't change. But if you start at $15 an hour in a trade career, you enter an apprenticeship program, you go through the apprenticeship at the end of it, you're a journeyman. Like you're in our industry, at least you're making well into six figures and four you it's a four year apprenticeship program. So if you start at 18, you're 22 years old, you're buying your first house, you're driving a nicer truck than any of your friends are. You know, it's, it's not, yes, it is a long term, um, but relative to life, it's actually pretty short term. It's, it's dedicating yourself for four, five years to really learning a trade, being that skilled person. Uh, and then you can look forward and go, do I want to take management classes? Do I want to take leadership classes? Do I, you know, do I want to, if I have an entrepreneurial spirit, do I want to open my own business? Like there's so many options there, but you're not making $15 an hour, uh, four years down the road. It's just, you got to start at $15 an hour because you're, you're worth $15 an hour. You can't do anything. You can literally do nothing, but they're bringing you on anyway. Right. Uh, and then they're going to train you and, and each year you're guaranteed a huge jump in pay. Uh, at least in an apprenticeship program. So I'm a big advocate for apprenticeship programs. I think that structured um, model that allows you to have a pay raise each year and also have, but you have to meet certain thresholds from a, a capability and competency standpoint. I think that that is, it's, it's just a great model on the job training. Yeah. And it just, you know, exactly what you were saying of getting into the right apprenticeship program and making mm -hmm. money and going to school and, you know, Yes, after a handful of years, you can start doing uh, well. The thing is, I think it's the me I think it's the messaging behind that because be I don't think the younger generation—not everybody, but a lot—don't see that. They see mm -hmm. that as like, you know, it's it's never going to happen for me. You know, they it's it goes back. I keep going back to the same thing. It goes back to the messaging. Those you want to you want to change someone's perspective. Show them a success story. Share the success story of XYZ who started when they were 20 plus and now they're four or five years in and I'm making $60 an hour, whatever mm -hmm. it is. That's a success story because you could say, okay, okay, I can invest four or five years because whatever you're going to do when you get out of school, you're going to have to invest anyway into mm -hmm. something in another field. Either you're going to be a lawyer, a doctor, you got to go through all that schooling and come out. You, you know, it, it takes time like everything else. Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. the opportunities are there. Absolutely. And there's, I think there's less questionable outcomes. If you really invest yourself into these, these, into a trade or into an apprenticeship program, once you get your license, you get your journeyman license, whatever it is, like you're going to be making at least X number of dollars. Now with college, unless you are doctor, lawyer, with college, you can graduate and you could come out of school making 80 grand, 120 grand or 37 grand. It is all over the board and it's a lot of it has to do with like going that corporate route, going that college route. I feel like a lot of it has to do with hard work plus luck. You don't always get that luck component. And with skilled trades, you do the hard work. You're going to hit this level, period. Uh, you, you're going to make this much money in four or five years, period. 
especially in today's world where straight skilled tradespeople are so, so needed. Like we, we need to add more to the industry. Like you're going to have a very stable career. And I think that that's, I'm with you. I mean, we're saying the same thing. The messaging is, is what needs to get out there, help them understand it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, in, in your opinion, if somebody wanted to get started in the trades, and somebody says, you know, you make these videos and people go, all right, Andrew, I'm sold. I've been watching your videos for a while and I, I don't want to go to college and I want to get started. What would you recommend? So, for instance, I'm just going to use the, the welding trade because I work with the American Welding Societies. The American Welding Society, if somebody's interested in the trade, well, what do you want to do within welding? You know that you're interested in welding. Do you want to be a boilermaker? Do you want to weld underwater? Like, there's a lot of things mm -hmm. that you can do. So, on the American uh, Welding Society's website, you can take an assessment test and define exactly what you're looking for. And it gives you steps of how to... Uh, possibly look for an apprenticeship or look for an open job or look for a trade school, that type of stuff. So it is working with, in this case, the American Welding Society and figuring out exactly what you want to be and then following sort of those steps. But it's, it's not just that. You still need people, you still need people who are in the welding trade to, 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 to work with and to, to get knowledge from. That's why I keep going back to working with somebody who has been in the trade for a long time because they can tell you again going back to what i said before the pitfalls and things to watch out for um i always uh i'm in favor of somebody being or working with a mentor that can really kind of help them sort of scale throughout their career um that's something that i didn't have when i was younger and now i had it when i'm older and i can tell you firsthand that uh, it makes a huge difference. Uh, but doing your own research, um, there are times that people have somebody in their family that is in the skilled trades or some sort of trade that they can speak to uh, to see if that's an option. Maybe they're a plumber, maybe they're an electrician, and maybe you can get uh, information that way. Um, I have uh, a family member who wants to be uh, an electrician. Is he a perfect example? But he's a little bit older. He's about 32, 33. And he was working for Trader Joe's uh, out in California. Now wants to make the shift uh, into being an uh, electrician. So I was able to, I have some people that I know who are in the electrical trade that are going to speak to him to help him through sort of the decision-making process, you know, union, non-union, and give him all the information that he would need to make an informed decision. Um, so I think it's a matter where you get your information from and, um, who you attach yourself with to get the right information. Hey brother, I got a question for you. Um, you know, usually during these interviews, Nicole and I will ask, uh, the individual that we're speaking with about the pros and cons of their specific field. Um, but because of the fact that you have such a wide net cast across so many trades, Perhaps you can enlighten anyone out there about the things that you hear most of the time as far as, okay, generally, these are the things that we find rewarding about, about being involved in the trades. We've talked about the money issue. So anything other, anything other than that? Well, first, we get to work outside. That's a pro. I mean, instead of working in your four, four walls, right, you can be out in the field somewhere. You're working, you know, in the country somewhere. So, like, you're outside. It's something different. 
some people are not built for sitting at a desk, right? Some people want to be outside. Um, I also think it's just the feeling of the accomplishment that you actually built something and you actually completed something. Uh, you actually helped an individual. Going back to my example with education and building a school, and then just I built a school so people can get an education, that type of stuff. There, there's something honorable about that. And to what you said, Nicole, like, I built that, I built that. And you see skilled tradespeople, they love that stuff. They, they love, they love to point that out. I've, I've heard from many different people that they, they, they make their families like really sick because like they're, they're constantly tell like, the family, ah, I built that, I built that, I built that. Like there's something about that that's exciting. Um, what else? Um, yeah, I just think it's an un, I just think at this point in the game, there's such a window of opportunity because the demand is there and the amount of people, it, it's just, it's not, it's not equalized. You just, you, you, you know, company, like you said, companies, HVAC, whatever it is, people are looking for people and people need people. Um, so I think this is just a great opportunity just to get into the trades or at least look into uh, getting into a trade because I think, you know, over the next four or five years, I say $100 an hour that people will make as long as you're good at what you do because you'll be in high demand. Yeah, I mean, we look at like, okay, we go back to the Industrial Revolution. Obviously, there were a lot of people working in, you know, metalwork and all kinds of things there. And then we had, you know, in the 60s and the 70s, there was a whole lot of steel working still going on. There was automobiles being made and there was all kinds of, of that work. And then we, um, we did kind of, you know, send a lot of it offshore here in the States. Sure. However, it does look like there is a new movement to... Um, kind of head in the infrastructure green direction where we're going to be building more. We're going to be, and everything in my, in, in my limited knowledge, certainly I talked to someone who works uh, in the, in a windmill farm not too long ago, but in my knowledge, that means that there's going to be massive more opportunity even than there is now at that point, right? Because those all, any of those need electricians, any of those need carpenters, any of those need, you know, countless other other uh, trades. We're electrifying everything, right? From your Tesla that's sitting downstairs that needs a charger, the whole infrastructure, right? That's, I, I remember seeing this, this article, it said something, if you want to save the planet, become an electrician. It was just an eye-catching uh, mm -hmm. Uh, headline that I saw because it's really true because we don't have enough electricians to you know keep up with the demand because everything is becoming electric you're going to move away from combustion engines and move into everything electric so you just keep compounding that by every single trade and you're just like oh my god all these people are retiring what the heck you look at our infrastructure we're our c minus infrastructure in the u.s how do you get to a a plus if you know, nobody wants the job. It's just this slight balance and the, and, and the government wants to spend all this money on infrastructure and get keep and build up the infrastructure, but you need the people behind it. You need the people in the skilled trade. So we need to change something to, 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 to get the people, uh, the younger generation involved because otherwise you're going to wake up. I always joke around, you know, one day we woke up and all the skilled trades people disappeared, but it would be in a really, really tough spot. 
Yeah, well, your your information and your uh, your inspirational drive to get the word out there certainly will make a difference. Nicole's as well. Um, talking about a hundred hundred dollars an hour in a short period of time doesn't hurt to get the word out there. Also, um, we can't thank you enough for being here and uh, you know passing on passing on such great information. Nicole, do you have anything you'd like to add? No, I, I, I love finding other people who have the same passion, who are, it's all about the messaging. It is all about the messaging and, and the exposure, because uh, I think you and I have spoke about this. My TikTok channel jumped up to 86,000 followers when I started saying, hey, these, these are six figure careers. And people are like, no, they're not. And then you had all these tradespeople jumping on to the comments thread saying, yes, they are. I make all, you know, and the exposure is the problem. They aren't getting it in high school. They're not getting it in middle school. So by the time they graduate, the only path that they've been directed to is either the college, uh, college or the military. And, um, and so there's this huge the gap and we refer to the gap. My gap is, I think it's an information gap and it has led to the labor gap, but exposure, exposure, the message is important. Uh, these are great careers. And then just getting more of it out there. So I love what you do and I appreciate you and I appreciate you coming on here with us and, and uh, telling us your thoughts on it as well. I appreciate you having me, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, Andrew, why don't you take a minute uh, to, to plug your, to plug your uh, social media again, if you will, for anyone yeah. out there who wants to reach you. Sure. So I'm predominantly on LinkedIn. If you'll see me on a video every day and I'll be in your feed if you connect with me every day. Uh, if you want to talk shop about the skill trades, I'm here. DM me. If you want to talk about tools and equipment, I'm here too. Uh, LinkedIn is under my name, Andrew Brown. Under YouTube, it's under my business name called Toolfetch, or www.toolfetch.com is our website directly. All, All right. right. It was such a pleasure, brother. Likewise. Thanks. Thank Thanks you. Thanks very much. We'll see you. Bye, folks. We'll see you next time. <laughs>